Good morning, Brompton Road. How are you feeling? Yeah, oh, that was below average. <laughs> Guys, how are you feeling, Brompton Road? <laughs> Good morning. Uh, morning to you. And um, you know what? The other week, I met this wonderful couple um, here at Brompton Road, and they told me that they've been watching the online services uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and they live all the way in America. So um, a big shout out to David and Susan from Madison, Wisconsin. I know you're watching online. Um, uh, so hello to you from Brompton Road and to everyone else that's watching um, online. Uh, but before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to start today by giving you thanks for who you are. Lord, will you open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in your word, in your precious word. Amen. Amen. Before we continue, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, I'm intrigued. What good news have you shared recently? I'm intrigued. What good news have you shared recently? What I love about that little situation that just happened there. Some of you were like, oh, thank you. This is my opportunity. Others of you just looked at me like. <laughs> so I've spoken here a few times now. And what I've realized is that every time I leave, someone attacks me and says, when are you bringing Jalof? Or all you talk about is Jalof. So I've come to give you good news. There's a Nigerian restaurant called Enish that has opened just around the corner. So now you can stop hounding me, you can get jollof for yourself, okay? But just a disclaimer, it is in Knightsbridge, so you will be paying Knightsbridge prices, okay? And Mr. Enish, wherever you are, I would love some commission too. Thank you. You know, it's, it's nice to share good news, and we tend to share things that we find value in or mean something to us because we care. And that's why the, the title of today's message is Sharing is Caring. And today I want us to put on our evangelistical lenses on. And I think there's no better book than the book of Acts when it comes to this. So we're going to look at um, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And it says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, down in Devon, up in Scotland, in Eritrea, in Jamaica, in Ghana, in Malaysia, in Armenia, as far as New Zealand, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, basically everywhere. The book of Acts is reporting the actions of the disciples and the work of the Holy Spirit. And it begins in Jerusalem where the church is established. And then what happens is it grows rapidly. But what happens after that is that it faces intense persecution. 
And that drives out all the believers into all the surrounding areas. And while they are out there in the surrounding areas, they begin to tell people about the good news of Jesus. Because something happened to them. Something specific happened to them. They had an encounter with Jesus. They understood that actually Jesus loved them so much that he was willing to die on a cross for them to set them free, to give them hope, and to transform their lives. So as they shared this, others started to believe also. And if we can break it down into different themes, it would be that the church begins, the Holy Spirit empowers the people, the church begins to grow, and then they are going out to witness, even though they are suffering from opposition. And this verse that we've just looked at is Jesus' last words in Acts. And I don't know about you, but the last words a person says tends to be some of their most important ones. And it made me ask this question. Who was Jesus talking to? Was he talking to the disciples of then? Was that a message for just then and not now? Or was it a message for all? Because when I read that verse, it says, but you, you being you, you being me, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The reality is that there are people around today who will never even enter a church. They will never come in. I'm over at the other site, Courtfield Gardens, and sometimes I stand at the front and I, I welcome people. But what I tend to find is that people tend to walk past, especially during the worship time, and they're just curious. They just walk past and they, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Is it a concert inside or what's happening? And what I do is I stand at the front and I go like this. <laughs> some come in, you know, they explore and they're like, okay, this is okay. But some probably look at me and think, who is this nutter doing this? But a lot of people won't come in. For most people, their only chance of hearing the good news is, is through what you and me say and through how we live our lives. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 10, 14. And it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So there needs to be an intentional interaction. You know, Romans is basically explaining that actually salvation is for everyone. But it also reminds us that we all have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be intentional about sharing our faith and telling others about what we have experienced. If not, people won't hear. You see, it's God's responsibility to save people, but it's our responsibility to share the gospel. And then it's their responsibility to believe in the gospel if they do or if they don't want to. So it's kind of like if I choose not to pay my Netflix subscription, it's Netflix's responsibility to chase me and get me to pay that bill. But when the postman comes, he just needs to deliver the letter and put it in. The postman don't need to get involved. He just delivers the letter and he goes about his business. But then it's my responsibility to react to that letter and pay. So essentially what I'm trying to say is that we are all postmen and postwomen for Christ. We work for the Royal Mail because our father is royal and we're delivering mail. 
I got that from Catherine. So that's, that's, that's hers. It's true. It's true. We all work for the Royal Mail. Come on. That was good. That was good. That was really good. The other thing that I recognize about this passage is that actually the impossible is made possible. Think about it. Those early believers, their mission was geographically impossible. How can these bunch of people reach people in all these far different places? They had no travel, no radio, no television, no Instagram, no Snapchat, no X. They had none of that. Yet, they were still able to reach the world far and wide. For those of you that consider yourselves to be Christians, the reason why we are sat here today and we know that is because of what they did in the early days. So look at the impact of what happens through generation to generation to generation. The second thing is this, it seemed legally impossible. They were forbidden by the government authorities to speak in the name of Jesus, but for some reason they had courage and boldness to be able to do so anyway. And the third thing is this, it seemed socially impossible. Because after all, who would listen to a bunch of Galileans? These commoners, they were devoid of culture and class. Yet there was one thing that enabled them to go against all of those things, and that was the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit empowered them, they went far and wide. They went against everything that wasn't supposed to work in their favor, and people listened. So as I was encouraged by that, I thought to myself, then what stops us from sharing our faith today? Because I think there's a few reasons. And the first is this, I think there's fear. I think we're afraid to share our faith because there's a fear of rejection or ridicule, you know? The reality is there's some places in the world that actually the consequences are far greater. But here, we're, we're scared of being called weird. We are weird. I'm weird. You know, find me someone in here that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel like I'm the only one that's confessing that I'm weird. <laughs> Gosh. All right, guys. <laughs> the thing is, these fears tend to paralyze us into silence. But when I read Matthew 28, 20, it gives me confidence because it says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, anytime Jesus commands us to do something or to go and make disciples, he also reminds us of his constant presence. That actually, no matter where you go, no matter who you speak to, no matter where it is, I will always be with you. There's a book called Follow Me by David Platt. And there's a quote in it that encourages us in this promise. And it says, such fears are only a sign that we are forgetting who we are. We are followers of Christ who have been crucified with him. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Without him, we do have reason to fear. With him, we have reason for faith. The second reason why I think that we don't share today is because of bad theology. 
I remember once upon a time, I was convinced that God was this angry, punishing God, that he wasn't proud of me, and there's nothing I can do to make him pleased with me. I was fully convinced of that. And what I began to realize is actually, the way I was seeing God was the way I was seeing my earthly father, because I felt like my dad was never proud of me. Because I don't know about your culture, but in my culture, if you don't meet certain expectations, especially when it comes to career, you basically failed. And I remember one particular time, I was at my friend's Nigerian wedding, and then the MC said, all the guys that are not married, come to the front. There was about five of us. We got up now. Now, in my culture, unless you're an engineer, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an accountant, you can see the theme here. You basically failed. So they went through each person. The first person was like, yeah, my name's this, and I'm an accountant. Everyone was like, oh, oh, hey, oh. Okay. Next person, I'm an engineer. Oh, 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 oh. And so on and so on. It came to me. Hi, my name's Tash. I work in fashion. That silence is what I experienced. <laughs> Do you know what? There was one British lady that went, ooh. <laughs> Honestly, God bless her, wherever she is in the world. Because that was the only little bit of encouragement that I, I, I could get that day. But I always thank you for the second word. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> but you know, I always felt like I never matched up to the expectations that were set before me. I remember there was a, another significant moment. I was doing the leadership development year that we, we do here at HTB. And we were downstairs in the spring, and this session was all about the father's heart. And at that time, my, my dad was alive, so I couldn't really connect with this thing about the father's heart. And everyone in the room was in tears, crying, just responding. And I just remember standing at the back, and I remember saying to God, God, I want to feel something, because I don't feel nothing. This session is not for me. And as I was there with my eyes closed, I just kept thinking to myself, God, you're not proud of me. You're not proud of me. And I stood there. And someone came and they, they put their hand on my shoulder. And as I was there just in the silence, he said to me, I, I get the sense that God wants to say something to you. And God wants to say that he's proud of you and you are his son. You know, in that moment, I went from not crying to becoming the CEO of Crying Enterprise, honestly. <laughs> I was in tears. And the more he kept saying it, the more I kept crying. Because what happened in that moment is that my theology changed. This punishing God that I had had over me, it just got released in a moment. And I just recognized that actually Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Even with the mistakes that I've made, he loves me. And he's proud of me. You know, two years ago, my, my, my dad passed away and... Um, you know, I, I had this thing of him not being proud of me. And the, the second to last time that I saw him in the hospital ward, you know, my dad's the type of dad, he talks to everyone, everyone under the sun. The reason why I talk to everyone is because of him. And when I was leaving one afternoon, he said, everybody, everybody in the ward, look, look, that, that, that's my son, and he's going to be a priest. Gosh, broke me. You know, in that moment, I realized that actually, my dad was proud of me. 
And even if I didn't have that moment with him, you know, in, in, towards the, at the end of his life, how I saw God should have not been seen through the lens in which I saw my dad. But he was proud of me. The third thing, or the third reason why I think we don't share, is because I think we think it's awkward and uncomfortable. I understand that following a spirit-led conviction to tell a stranger about the hope in which we found in Christ can be, can be pretty awkward, you know? But when I read John 12, 32, it says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So it's not up to us to draw people to God. It's up to Christ. He is the active agent in bringing people into his kingdom. So I don't know about you, but when I read stuff like this, it takes the pressure off of my shoulders. You know, we've all heard the phrase, the first step is always the hardest. And that derives from a proverb to basically describe that the first, first stretch of any difficult journey is the hardest. And sometimes when we're trying to integrate faith into um, conversations and, and friendships, it can seem really hard. You know, if you meet someone new, you do a lot of surface-level conversation. You know, hi, oh yeah, oh, I love bacon. Yeah, Bake Off is on right now. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> Lovely. What are you watching on Netflix? Oh, yes, I'm watching that too. You might talk about sports or something else. But it's very surface-level. And then we move on to the next stage of friendship or conversation, familiarity. And at this point, if we haven't told people about the very thing that gives us life, where we find hope, we often feel like, that's it, it's too late. We've, we've missed our window of opportunity and it's going to be too awkward for me to say anything now because we're probably going to be rejected. But what I've come to realise is that actually the longer we avoid declaring the truth about our lives, the more awkward it becomes. During the summer, I, I did a workshop and, uh, you know, like most workshops, you've got to introduce yourself, Right? So I was there with five people. I don't know why, it's always five people. I was there, and we were going around introducing ourselves. And this lady shared, she was like, my name's such and such. You know, I work for Burberry. I was like, oh, wow, that's nice. Everyone was like, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Other guy was like, I'm a flight attendant. Oh, lovely, you must travel everywhere. That's, that's wonderful. There was a teacher, there was a student, and then it came to me. And in that moment, I thought to myself, gosh, I've got to tell them that I'm a priest. I mean, I could avoid it, right? I could say I work with people, you know. Then they'll be like, oh, what do you do, like social work or something? Or, uh, not, not quite. Um, you know, I, I, there's something that happens on the weekend that's quite significant in my, in my job role. Oh, maybe events manager or something, you know. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I did feel awkward in that moment because I just thought to myself, gosh, I don't know how they're going to take this. But I just said, look, my name's Tash and I'm a priest. And once again, the silence was there. <laughs> and yes, it was a little bit awkward, but then one of the girls said to me, oh, wow, you don't look like a priest. <laughs> and I said, you know what, I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. I, was, I just took it. But the truth is, after I declared that, during our lunch, I had the most wonderful conversations. And I'm pretty sure we would have never spoken about church, faith, or any of that stuff if I never said that I was a priest. So no matter what your occupation is or your vocation, 
If research says that one in five people would be open to having a conversation about Jesus, I just wonder how many people in our lives are we not giving or allowing the opportunity to have those conversations with? The fourth reason, I think, is a lack of proximity. Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, if we have a Christian family and we work a lot with Christians and we go to Christian Bible studies and we hang out with only Christians and every conversation is thy kingdom come, then we might have a bit of a problem. And I think what we will have, or what we do have, if that is the case, is a bit of a proximity problem. You know, Jesus was accused again and again of being friends of sinners. He went to parties, he talked to sinful people, he hung out with the least and the lost. Yet he reached so many of them with his shocking message of grace and love. I think we too, we need to find our proximity place. So the question that I ask myself and the question that I ask to all of you, where can you be in proximity to people so you can begin to build a relationship and share the hope of Jesus with them? For some of you, it might be at work. For some, it might be at the gym, at a coffee shop, wherever it is. I think we need to find our place and start sharing the good news through our lives. The fifth point and the final point is I think that as a church, we've lost sight of the mission. You know, in the news recently, I've just um, been reading and hearing about, you know, school kids being stabbed and killed. It's crazy. And when I hear stuff like that, it breaks my heart. But it also reminds me that actually there's a mission. There's a mission before us that we need to spread the good news of the gospel so that people's lives can be transformed. And when you're in a city like London, you can get lost in the hustle and bustle of life. You know, the truth is I rarely make time to spend in God's word and do my prayers. And I often lose sight of the missional aspect of my faith. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one in here that feels the same way. And oftentimes when I meet new people, I just think, oh no, this is just a a random encounter. But what if every time we meet someone, that is an opportunity that God has given us to declare his goodness in their lives? You know, the people we interact with every day at work or just by random, there's always an opportunity to share some sort of... um, um, to share God's goodness in some way. When I've lost sight of the mission, I know I need to be reminded of my identity and my purpose. And I just want to encourage you and remind you of your identity and your purpose. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. As Catherine said, Alpha is starting next week. And if it isn't just for the fact that we're having Greek street food, we at HTB have this wonderful gift and tool 
that is Alpha, which is so intrinsic to the DNA of this church, where we allow people to have the opportunity to come and, and discover the community of God, the transformative power of Jesus. So if there's someone that you need to invite, invite them. Invite them to come along. You know, yesterday I was, um, I was going to get a haircut and um, I said to God, I said, God, you know, is there someone that I need to invite to Alpha? And I, I sensed that God was telling me, you need to tell your barber. And I said to God, God, I don't want to do that because if he doesn't like it, he's going to mess up my trim. <laughs> but as I was waiting, because he was trimming someone else before me because he was late, and I was sitting next door to the barber shop, I saw this, this picture. And it said, the most effective way to do it is to do it. You know, sometimes you ask God for a sign and it's right there. Sometimes I wonder if God's just laughing at me. He's like, look, it's there. So for those that want practical advice about witnessing, about sharing your faith, I wonder if the most effective way to do it is to just do it. Amen. Amen. When we witness to others, we can be encouraged that the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ is the same spirit that lives within us. So when we go out there, we don't need to fear. We don't need to feel awkward because we are a royal priesthood. Our father is the king of kings. And he says he will go with us wherever we go. And if our lives have been transformed, even in the slightest, by the power of Jesus and the love of God, then sharing is caring. We must share. So let's go out and share with what we say and how we live our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.